Bandwidth for this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by MidasGreen Technology, virtual private servers submerged in oil. Find out more at MidasGreenTech.com slash 5x5. Mac Power Users, Episode 61, Workflows with Michael Lopp. Hello, friends. This is David Sparks along with Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hey, David. How are you? Good. And I'm very excited. We have a workflow guest today, Michael Lopp. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Great to be here. You know, Michael is uh, one of my inspirations for getting my books done. Michael publishes, among other things, Michael has written books. He wrote Being Geek and Managing Humans, which are two excellent books. And he publishes the Rands in Repose blog. And Michael, I told you this earlier, but I think your blog is the best signal to noise ratio blog on the internet. You know, <laughs> thank you. Because you know, you post a couple times a month, and every time you do, I just stop what I'm doing and read it, you know, front to end because it's always something interesting. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. It's a, it's, it's a little bit of a. You see all those people out there like posting daily and you know doing little snippets of things or like half thoughts and paragraphs and what. No, I spend a lot of time in each piece and it takes a while and it's only like once or twice a month, but hopefully um, the, the content is there. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it is absolutely. It, I don't even Insta paper. I just read it, you know, it's just so good. <laughs> but the, um, you know, the reason I wanted to have you on, there's a couple of reasons. First of all is just, you know, when I wrote those books, you wrote a book, you wrote a post called how to write a book and I've linked it in the show in the past. And it's just really just practical, great information, soup to nuts. And anybody who's interested in writing a book, I highly recommend go and do it. And I imagine that kind of arose out of your experiences in writing Being Geek and Managing Humans. Yeah, it was. Um, I was actually coming back from a, a vacation, and I was about two-thirds of the way through the uh, second book. And vacation's great because obviously you're coming back and everything's all bright and shiny and you can conquer the world. And it's unusual for me. I actually wrote that piece like beginning to end, sitting there on the plane for two, three hours. Um, And it was just, it was timely, right? I was just sitting there in the middle of like finishing the book and all the things, all the worries, all the things that are hard about writing, all the things that are great about writing were just all kind of just spilling out. And it was absolutely, completely, totally therapy for me <laughs> at the time to get the book across the line. And I would have just been happy just kind of getting that out of my head, but it turned out to be a really nice piece that really is, I think, it kind of instructive to folks that are either thinking about writing a book or are in the middle of it or, you know, it's just, it, there's a lot of tips and tricks in there as well as sort of explaining sort of the, the, the torture that you're putting yourself through as you're writing a book. Yeah, it really is nuts. I, you know, I tell people it's about four times as hard as you think it would be. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, for me, it's, that's the other thing I, I write about it in the piece is it's like, I'm literally procrastinating writing the book because I don't know about you, but wh- when I'm about two thirds of the way, you just hate your voice. It's just, you're so tired of hearing whatever it is that you're saying. And you have this voice of yourself in your head and it's just, I'm, I'm tired of it because I feel like every sentence I've said before, every like every construction of a sentence is like I'm just reusing stuff and it's just it's awful. And you feel like you just you completely, you know, you're empty. But it's uh, it turned out to be a, a useful uh, piece for me. It's funny when I turned in my first book, I I was concerned. I was um, absolutely certain it was rubbish. And, <laughs> and then when I finally got the proof back, you know, because there, there was like some time that took place and it. 
it read okay. I'm like, oh, okay, well, this guy knows what he's doing. But yeah, you got to have some distance from it, right? Yeah. Before you're actually, it's it's the same thing with like, when I publish a piece. It's like I tend to spend three or four weeks kind of editing a piece and getting it together. And by the time I'm done, I'm I'm exactly I, I believe that it's crap. It, and it's 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 not until I get a couple days away that I can actually appreciate you know actually what I was trying to say. When you were writing your books, obviously you didn't, you know, this is probably where you got some of this inspiration, some of this wisdom from. Who did you look to for wisdom and inspiration? How did you get through that process? Um, so there are two books that I uh, are sitting on my table right now that are um, my, my, my go-to books. They're very blog-like, even though I think they're written pre-blog. Um, Writing Down the Bones, this, this is a Merlin book too. He and I both agree this is, it's a, by Natalie Goldberg, she's like this Zen Buddhist like creative writer, and again, it's sort of just shortish, shortish like you know, five hundred, a thousand piece uh, essays that are just amazing, and they're just there, sort of like to unblock you from all of the blockage that you put up in your in your in front of yourself when you're writing a book. The other one is Anne Lamont's uh, Bird by Bird. Uh, they're like right here. I just grab them with my hand because they're just my go-to like, okay, totally lost, can no longer see forward. I just need to kind of change my perspective. Yeah. And writing down the bones is an outstanding book. I actually own it both in audio form and the book. And it's nice when you're stuck just to drive around and listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, and, and, you know, in addition to uh, being a writer, you're also a manager. So I thought this would be a really interesting workflow show. So we could go through some of that stuff. Right. But, you know, one of the things you just said that I thought is kind of interesting is that you you start these posts weeks in advance. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in the idea of cooking, you know, when you're doing a project is cooking uh, it for a long time. Absolutely. So how do you go about that? Do you because I understand you, you're basically a text editor writer, right? Yeah. So um, it's so boring when I talk about my setup. Um, but it's, uh, as I read about in the how to write a book thing, it's, I'm, I'm a nerd, I'm a geek. So any sort of like distraction that you put in front of me is just, it's, it's, it's a dangerous thing because I'll suddenly start tweaking it and trying to understand why you put that preference in. And suddenly it's a day and a half later. And I suddenly understand everything about like line spacing and the art of line spacing. And I haven't written a, a word. So my, um, my writing, my primary writing tool for the, for the, from about concept to like handing it off to my editor is completely inside of text edit. It's just bare bones, very simple. The only choice that I have to make is actually the typeface. And, you know, a lot of work has gone into that, by the way. Yeah, I was so. going to say, all right. So that's the one place you can be a nerd. What, what are you using for your typeface? I, I think it's sort of trendy, but I'm a big fan of uh, something with a serif on it. Uh, uh, Sentinel is just a beautiful typeface. I like to see a little bit of edginess to my to my letters and words. So um, I change it about every year or two, but right now I'm in a, a pretty solid uh, Sentinel phase. So it's beautiful. <laughs> Anyway, so um, so I just I sit inside of text edit. I usually have um, I usually get about I don't know five hundred to a, a thousand words before it's like is this real? You know, am I really do I understand what I'm trying to do here? And then it just needs to go away for a couple of days. I need to come back to it. And this is sort of the moment for me in writing a piece is when I'm when I come back to it. I'm like oh. That's kind of smart. <laughs> oh, there's something here that's actually worth talking about. Um, and there's a million pieces that are just been like, oh, throw it away. The junk pile is just incredibly hot. And I occasionally go back to the junk pile and find things. But there's that moment of like, okay, I just sort of inspired myself by what I wrote here. And then at that point, something that can actually start turning into a piece. But all of this editing, everything is going on 
um, inside of a text editor with really, really simple zero distractions sort of tool. So I have little trips, uh, tips and tricks for how I like remind myself to do things, but it's all really, really, really basic. Cause again, I don't want to get distracted. I want to write. Well, that's really smart. Yeah. Okay. So on the font thing, I'm like you, I obsess over it and <laughs> I use the bitstream Verisons. I just use a, a monospaced font, nice and big. And right, cause right. I feel like I don't miss grammar that way. Cause uh, you know, when I use those <laughs> proportional space fonts, I'll miss <laughs> commas look like periods when you start getting old and, <laughs> but, um, but but the part about that that's kind of fascinating is that so you don't do any outline or anything you just start writing words. There's um, no, I'll just start writing words. There's a point where I, when I when I've gotten to sort of critical mass and it's a real piece and I'm kind of like really into a, a paragraph that I'm doing. Um, sometimes I will dump out uh, like bulleted lists like okay I need to say this this and this at some point. So there's a little bit of outlining inside of there, but it's. Um, it's mostly the writing. Uh, it's, it's mostly just kind of getting the words out. Um, yeah, there's occasionally lists, but My, that's not the, that's the exception, not the norm. Michael, you are such a stud. Because <laughs> there's no way I could do that. I mean, I well, <laughs> I have to have outlines and I have to like think it through so much before I can start writing or I just, it's just gibberish. <laughs> it's, remember my piece, a lot of my writing is, is kind of a, a opinion and editorial. So it's, it's sort of, I don't know, there's, I don't, the outlines just don't seem to necessarily, you know, give me great structure yet. So. No, I, I wish I could do that. I just, <laughs> every time I do, it just ends up complete garbage. <laughs> now I would imagine that would be different when you're actually writing a book versus shorter form and, and on your blog right. and all, right? Right. I mean, cause your editor is going to want an outline. Uh, yeah. The editor wanted, in both cases, they actually just wanted, um, uh, they just wanted kind of a title and sort of a, uh, and a, a rough description of the chapters, but they, they got, they got mostly finished chapters. They never got like this art, this other than that blurb, this article is about how to fire someone or something like that. So that was all they really needed. Cause, um, I tend to, I don't think in outlines, I, I love outlines. I love lists and that sort of thing. Cause I'm a nerd, but it's, uh, it's not, it's not something that I use as sort of a tool right now. Right. Well, that's cool. I, I'm yeah. impressed, you know. <laughs> so now you do your writing, but you also um, you also manage humans. Yes, I do. And that's your current gig, gig right? Yeah, yeah. I um, I started uh, at Borland way back in the day. I was there as an engineer, and then I worked. I was at Netscape early on, where that's where I kind of cut my teeth on leadership and management. I did a startup that you've never heard of. Um, that was during the dot-com bubble. And when it, the dot-com bubble came and exploded, I went and hid at a little company called Apple. And I was at Apple for uh, uh, eight and a half years. I ran part of the Mac OS X team. And then I um, and then went over and started running the... Uh, I ran all of engineering for the online store. So, And that was about a year and a half ago I left Apple to join a company called Palantir, which was basically a gig created by all of my writing. It's about... Uh, it's a big company. It's, it's not a big company. It's about 400 plus, but it's 80% engineers. And um, they basically said, put up or shut up. <laughs> You've been writing all this stuff about how to manage engineers and make them happy and all this sort of stuff. And uh, while Apple is great and I miss it dearly, it was their opportunity was sort of like come and help build this company. So that's what I've been doing for the last uh, year and a half. It's a proof of concept, right? <laughs> it is. You exactly. wrote the book. Now, you know, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> exactly. It was a, kind of hard to turn down. So let's take a quick break here and talk about our first sponsor, and that is Smile Software's PDF Pen. Uh, you know, David, a couple of weeks ago, or actually it's been a couple of months now, a couple of months ago, I just made the decision that I have had it with 
uh, Apple's preview, although it's a lot better in Lion. It just doesn't do everything I want to do. And I certainly am not installing uh, Adobe Reader on my Mac. Just it, such a slew of problems, including security risks. And I just went into my uh, Get Info panel and made PDF Pen my default PDF reader of choice and have not looked back. I could not be happier. Yeah, you know, it gets its own space now in Lions, right? So you Absolutely. can have its own space. It's got text, OCR, you know, it does everything you need. It's a lot cheaper than $450 for Adobe Acrobat Pro. And I'm like you, I use it every day. Yeah, so not only do I use PDF Pen just when I want to pop up and read a PDF very quickly, but if I need to make corrections in a PDF that somebody sent me, uh, if it's not OCR'd, I can OCR it. And if it is OCR'd, I can make p- corrections to the original text with PDF Pen. If I need to drop my signature into a contract, I've got my signature and my initials that I've scanned uh, and dropped into my PDF Pen library. And you can have a library of different um uh, signatures or other graphic or image files that you can drop on the PDFs, whether it be a watermark or whatnot. And I, I drag and drop those on a PDF pen all the time. Uh, if I want to remove sensitive information from a PDF, I can redact it with PDF pen. And I know that it does more than just put a black box over the PDF. Like I've seen so many other people do um, with PDFs. You know, they think that if they just cover up something on the PDF, that it's gone for good. And that's not necessarily true. You know, if you just draw a box over it, you know, if someone can edit the PDF, they can either move the box or you might not be necessarily removing the metadata that's underneath it. And PDF pen uh, will not only black it out, but it will actually remove that data underneath as well. And that's just with the regular version of PDF pen. So if you want to jump up with the pro version as well, uh, you can do all sorts of additional things like convert websites to PDF and create your own fillable PDF forms uh, and create and edit tables of contents, which I know you use all the time to manage your case files. It's it's just the app that keeps on giving. Yeah, and uh, thank them for sponsoring the show. You can get a professional version of PDF Pen for it's a hundred dollars. Yeah, or you can get the standard version for fifty nine ninety five, and those are available either from the Smile Software website uh, or from the Mac App Store. And as always, there's a free trial available, and they give you a ninety day money back guarantee. So you can find all their other great stuff that Smile makes at smilesoftware.com. So now how do you go about using your your Apple technology to do that role? The management of, um, let's see here. I'm looking at my screen right now. So there's, of course, a huge amount of email that goes on. So we can talk about that sort of thing. Um, I'm, I'm talking with people a ton. I guess I should break this down. So one thing that I do is um, I'm a constant, I write everything down when I'm talking with someone. This is someone that I tell folks. I say, hey, by the way. Um, I write everything down. Don't worry about it. It's just how I am. So, but that's all handwritten because I'm just kind of grabbing notes. When I'm done talking with someone, I, and I call myself the, the CTO at Palantir, which is the chief therapy officer, because I just talk with everybody. But I take those notes. I, I look through them. I have a little notation system where I'm like, okay, this is a to do, or this is something just to note about this person. And I dump all of that inside of things to kind of do two things. First off, I'm capturing action items, to do's, whatever. But the other thing, and this is a habit I I gave myself after having just a a horrible annual reviews inflicted on me and having given them to other folks, is I keep a running journal about everybody that I work with just to kind of keep a a long-term view about what they care about, what they like, what what they hate. And um, so I, I kind of have a running journal for all of the folks that I'm dealing with. Again, less out of, more out of habit right now, but before, I, I think annual reviews in the, in the Silicon Valley and probably on the planet are just generally awful. 
So, but I wanted to be able to kind of like when I was writing a review at the end of the year, be able to go and say, okay, do you remember nine months ago when you were kicking, doing a great job at this thing? And people appreciate that. So that's, that's all going inside of things. Things is sort of my tool that I keep track of the to do's and sort of the notes and all that sort of stuff as well. So go ahead. So the journal uh, that you have with a coworker is, is in things. It's a thing. It's just, it's a, <laughs> it's an outline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just a, it's a bulleted list of like what, Oh, this person just, I'm worried about this person. They're bored or they said this thing. I need to like, figure out how to get them working on this other, on this other task. So it's just little notes to me that are just for me. It's not for anyone else, but that's all sitting inside of things. Seems so. like an interesting use for a task management app. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, I, it's, it goes back to my philosophy on all tools, which is the less knobs and dials that you give me, the happier I'm going to be. And things is really good for just being sort of like, it's, there's no dogma there. There's no getting things done there. It's just completely whatever floats your boat, whatever system you want to use, you can use. So I've been using it for a couple of years, even without the syncing that it doesn't have, or apparently is getting soon. So, but it's a great tool for that. So. Just, so is it like a task for the person or what is the context of that? There's a, you can do projects inside of things yeah. and I just have a project for the people that I'm sort of tracking and I'm just basic, I'm either, I'm either putting things in there that are one big note. So just random ideas, or if there's something specific about that person, like need to figure out how to get this person to work on leadership skills, I'll create a subtask specifically on that topic. So and just start dumping notes inside of there. So it's a journal. It's exactly what it is. Now, do you, when you capture information for that, like if you're sitting talking to somebody, do you like open things right there no, or do you no, write it down no, on a piece of paper? Or? I'm a, I'm a big fan of a uh, field notes. Oh yeah. Jim Coodle, <laughs> Jim Coodle is a buddy of mine and they're great. And it's just, it's, you can just zip it down and you're done. I'm, I'm a writer. So if you don't write it down, it never happened is the rule. So you never know when you have that idea about like, Oh my gosh, this is idea. This one, this article I've been working on for three weeks. I just found this sort of segue. You just got to get it down immediately. So, and yeah, I know I, I, I don't have the computer open when I'm talking with folks. It's after the fact, but I just have a practice of kind of dumping all the ideas and getting it into some sort of structured form. That's, that's interesting. So I'm, I'm like you, I carry the field notes with me all the time and mm -hmm. I'm uh, a, I make a joke about it because I just abuse them. I, you know, stick them in my pocket. I treat them like hell. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> and all I do is capture on it. I write stuff down. And then before the day's over, I've put it into OmniFocus or I put it into, into a NV alt note or whatever. Right. Right. And then I just put a big line through the page. And when I get to the end of it, I throw it in the burn pile at work. And that's <laughs> it. You know, I don't keep them at all. Yeah. But they're I, great. I, they're great. I have this one. I got this, he did this, uh, county fair edition so i've got one for every state of the union yeah and, and uh i'm with you i kind of throw them away but now that there's like a name of a state on it i can't throw it away anymore <laughs> oh, i'm, I, I'm envisioning <laughs> massive piles behind your desk <laughs> exactly and i just have this idea of taking this great shot when i'm all done with them because i think this is great they're, they're, they're so pretty when they've been abused right they break down and decay really interestingly so yeah. i want to take this big shot of them all and send it to them and say thank you very much that was kind of awesome yeah, that is cool. That's a good mm -hmm. idea. Well, I'm like you. They, I get. In fact, this this week we got a mail. They have the firehouse ones. Yes, yes. And yeah. uh, immediately I ordered them. But so I've got them in the car. I've got them in the drawer. I've got them like everywhere. And uh, <laughs> do you have multiple ones going at the same time? Yeah, would, yeah. I do. Really? I, I generally have the one that sticks in my pocket. But right. for the rare occurrence that for some reason I didn't, 
you know, have it on me. I've got like one in my um, visor over my car. I've got one right. in my drawer at work. I keep one in each of my briefcases just, just in case, you know, right, right. But, uh, it'll be interesting now that we've got iOS five and I've got this Siri thing. I'm, I'm thinking about it, exploring with the idea of trying to kind of dictating some of those, like when I'm driving, Yeah, but, um, I'm yeah. not sure how it all works. I, I still like the pen and paper for this stuff. Yeah, I, I have, it can only be one. It would drive me crazy if I had two going at the same time because it's sort of this time narrative going through it. So whenever I have to have use another one, I feel like I'm like, this is the OCD in me, of course. I feel like I'm like getting off track. So I've only got, I can only have one. Yeah. But yeah, Siri is interesting. I've been actually testing it this weekend and just trying to see how well she does in terms of like just grabbing random thoughts. And so far, it's sort of, it's, it, it seems like it's pretty good. I haven't, other than it being down a bunch, which I'm assuming is because the planet Earth is talking to Siri, um, it's been amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's transformative in a yes. lot of ways. And and I think the the thing about it is there's things that it's really good at, and yeah. like setting appointments, setting timers. I made tea this morning. Uh, it took me, you know, five seconds to set a timer, which would take many taps otherwise. Right. And uh, so it's cool. But yeah. I, I'm not going to give up my paper. But my whole, whole idea with these field notes is just to abuse them. I rip pages out of them and give them to people. And, wow. You know, I just, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's disposable to me. And it's right. only a capture device. And, and I just have a promise with myself that by the end of the day, I'm going to put it, all that stuff somewhere digital because I'm going to, yeah. you know. Absolutely. But, and like you, I keep a lot of notes of communications, but I've never done relationships. That's kind of an interesting idea, but I do it all through, um, NV alt or, you know, which is also, it's, it's a derivative of, um, a notational velocity, but, right, right. but that's, I've never thought about doing it in a task manager. Yeah, and Michael, <laughs> you use simple note, don't you? I do use Simple Note, uh, not religiously yet. It's it's on the front page of my uh, phone, and I'm using it occasionally. But I always I, I can tell you exactly where my phone is and where my field notes are at any given point. There's like a process of where they go. So most times when I would probably be using Simple Note, the the field notes is sitting directly next to the phone. So just grab it there and do it quickly. And I don't tend to yet do anything in the car when I'm like going to put myself or others at risk. So. Um, I haven't really, so simple notes is sort of in the bar. Sometimes I'm using it. I, I'm not using it a ton, but it's there and I'm, I'm willing to try it out. <laughs> so was that kind of the idea is that at some point, maybe I'll transition from, from the, the analog field notes, the digital simple note, and you just haven't made that transition yet or yeah, you use it for yeah. different things. Um, it's right now it's when I think to use it, it's there as a potential transition. I'm, I'm getting so much more use out of the field notes. Right. Um, it's just easier. And the other thing is I can capture a lot of other context in there where there's like arrows, like, Hey, this is really thought is related. I mean, they're a mess. Right. The field notes are a total mess, but they capture a lot of like a random stuff as well that I'm thinking I would lose kind of parsing and typing it into simple notes. So have you ever tried one of those like live scribe pens? I have seen them. Um, this, 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 I have seen them. I'm really nerdy about my pens, just like I am about my typefaces. <laughs> so I held it in my hand. I'm like, this is an awful pen. Yeah, it's a pretty bad pen. pen. <laughs> so, David, David uh, made me buy one. I've used it once. Thanks, David. Appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Not, not only is it a, a poorly weighted pen, the, yeah. um, the ballpoint is pretty terrible, but it's a great technology. You know, yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I have right in front of me, I have my favorite pen. It's a Zebra Sarasa. I don't even know what to call it. It's a gel pen and it's just, it's just this beautiful ink just comes flowing out of it. It's beautiful. It's easy to hold. I can flip it around my thumb. It's, it's all good. 
So did they actually have to kill a zebra to make that? <laughs> I don't know why they call it that. It's a Japanese pen, so I never actually did any research on the where they where the name came out from. Yeah, all, all the serious pen nerds end up with Japanese pens at some. Yeah, point. yeah. Well, I, here's the thing: is I ordered a box of these via Amazon from work, and they they got the ones. The Amazon ones are from the U.S. And they're awful. It's like they, it's, they just they cut corners in terms of the plastic, and you can feel it immediately. And I realize this is like pen dogma here, but it's like it's just it's a totally they, they just really care about getting it right when it comes to the, the Japanese version is far. It's just beautiful. How, how do you get it a pen from Japan? Uh, we have little uh, Japanese stationery stores around here, so they have um, they have just you should go into these places. Um, they just have a wall of these pens, uh, a, a whole variety, color, size, everything. And um, they pull them in from Japan. So it's the only place I know. I think you can do it. There's a, a pen direct. I think you can do it online as well. But I like to get in and touch it and it's like, what's going on here? So um, that's where I get them. Yeah. Cool. Once you figure out what you like, you probably could bulk order it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have. <laughs> um, so what else is involved in, in your managing people gig? I mean, so you, you kind of give them feedback, you make sure that they're on track. Um, right. But but what kind of little widgets are they cranking out? What Tell us a little more about that aspect of your work. Um, so the, the gig at Palantir is really figure out how to build the company. I mean, for example... Um, it's like I said, it's about over 400 people right now. Are we talking about the people stuff or the widgets that I use to do the people stuff? Both really. I mean, like what, what do you use to do your job and managing yeah. people? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, the, the tools are not that sophisticated. Uh, a lot of what I'm doing right now at Palantir is sort of uh, figuring out how to um, build a company. For example, um, at 400, um, people plus people have been there two or three years. So, um, we're trying to figure out how to like do a growth track for the majority of the folks there. They're not going to be leaders or managers. So I'm doing a ton of talking with people and figuring out how to, um, figuring out how to, uh, um, what is the culturally correct way to you, at any other company land the, the senior title, right? How to do that sort of, um, sort of gig. Um, so there's just a lot of talking with folks, a lot of capturing of notes, a lot of dumping it into text, uh, edit, uh, editing the thoughts, going and sending it out via email. Palantir is a massive um, uh, email company, just like most nerd-based companies are. There's just a huge amount of communication and not many decisions that's going on in email. So I had to go back to Outlook after many years of being at uh, Palantir. I mean, sorry, after many years of being at Apple, which was kind of hard. But um, Outlook's actually pretty good. And, I'm, and I've been like ripping on Microsoft for like 20 years for a lot of reasons, but it's, it's, I spent a lot of time in Outlook. I'm not using a lot of the features in terms of flagging, in terms of organizing stuff, because I keep most of my brain in terms of what I need to do inside of things. I'm doing a lot of communication and whatnot via Outlook because also Palantir is on both coasts. I'm in DC a lot. So there's a lot of maintaining a state in an email as well. So you're using Outlook on uh, Microsoft Office 2011 for the Mac. Is that just yeah. because the whole company's using Outlook and they didn't really give you an option to use another tool or just that's what works best? Well, you know, it, 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 a mail works fine against Outlook. Um, right. There was just, and they obviously have uh, Exchange as a backend, but um, I, there was just, I actually tried it once and I was like about to, ready to dig my heels in and start really whining about it. But it's, it's, there's just little features in there, whether it's the calendaring or other stuff that just really makes it a little bit easier to interact with folks and communicate with folks and all the different collaboration tools that they have there. So, um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I could be using mail, but it just feels – here's the deal. Uh, Apple hasn't really nailed the sort of integrated collaboration solution. And I can say that sure. com- confidently because I, I did the wiki server and the calendar server while I was there. And the thing is, they're just they're separate, right? And all of these, whether it's calendar, mail, notes, whatever, they're separate tools in uh, on macOS 10. And Outlook, it just puts it all in one place, right? And, of course, when I'm looking at a mail, I want to go jump to my calendar and just have it be really simple. So – that's something that uh, exchange. I can't believe I'm sitting here like saying Microsoft products are good. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's um, it's uh, it's really that's something that's really uh, it's, I, I use it all day long now. So what? at home. It's all mail. Yeah. Well, it's all about what works for you. I know when I moved initially, when Apple Mail first became available in Mac OS X, this is years ago, you know, that was one of my big frustrations because I was coming out of, out of Entourage yeah. uh, for the Mac. And I was just, seriously, really, you've got three separate apps to do what one used to do. And, exactly. Um, and that was a big frustration for a long time. And I think now, you know, it's less of a frustration because the machines are fast enough. And when I'm working at home, it's, you know, I don't have to constantly be mail calendar contacts, you know, mail calendar contacts. But definitely at work, you know, I'm on a PC at work and I'm I'm back and forth all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they've added data detectors and ways to actually make the, the apps more closely married. But uh, I agree. I mean, I think Outlook was a huge improvement over Entourage, probably one of the biggest improvement of 2011, Office 2011. And I just learned this recently was uh, the web version. Someone just showed it to me like last week. Um, I thought it was sort of a piece of junk, but the, the web version on 2011 is phenomenal. It's gorgeous. It look, I looked at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't like, hey, I don't have any bandwidth. I'm sitting on a plane. I just need to use a web version. It was really well done. I haven't used it a ton, but it was at least uh, worth following up on. And because your everything is Exchange backend, you don't have a problem syncing, right? Everything syncs to your iPhone and your iPad and um, and your Mac, assuming you want it to sync using Exchange, right? right? Yeah, um, we have a security concerns. So where you have a, a product on the phone called Good Messaging for uh, for mail stuff, it's not great. It's it serves its purpose, but it's not great. So. Right. <laughs> wow. so, uh, so so you manage your mail and your contacts through Outlook. I do. Actually, no. Um, mail is all Outlook. Contacts, this is going to confuse you, um, is all on the phone. My phone, my the, pl- the rec- uh, plan of record is actually everything that's on the phone, which is weird. <laughs> okay, and that's the yeah. app you were talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what else do you use in your day job? What else do I use in my day job? Um, let's see here. Do you do any kind of my- um, project planning? I'm not doing any project planning. I'm really bad at it. I let other brighter, brighter, more competent people than me do it. Um, <laughs> it was, it was a, it's whenever I was just talking to someone about this, about at Apple, it's whenever somebody got really complex at Apple, the project managers showed up and they did a great job of uh, taking care of all that stuff. So um, a lot of uh, Omni focus, no, Omni planner was going mm-hmm. on and Microsoft project was going on, but it's been years, blissful, blissful, wonderful years since I've uh, had to do that. You know, somebody from Apple told me that once that um, they use OmniPlan for most of their projects, and I always thought that was cool. That yeah, was, you know, you know, a homegrown developer, you know, yeah, good Mac developers is helping the big company. Well, it's sort of an anomaly to me, and how um, awful there's a lot of project management softwares out there. It's it's probably because it's not a massive market for it. But there's this, um, I've never seen something, and it's, again, it's been years, but uh, Omni guys are doing a good job. Um, there's some web stuff that's okay, but I've never seen, I've never sat down at one and had that sort of high of like, 
wow, these uh, guys and gals just totally nailed it. Um, it, it. A Microsoft project being sort of like the de facto standard for just years and years. When it was, it was a fine product, but it was, it was, you know, it was never great. So again, a public function of the size of the market, but um, it's uh, it's interesting that no one, in my opinion, has really sort of nailed it there. Yeah, and whenever you have a product where you've got to send an employee for two weeks of training just to get started. Yeah, exactly. I don't consider it a win, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, go ahead. It, well, I think there's two categories of software like that to me, though. The, the planning software and also I think the, the mind mapping software. Both of them have, in general, lousy user interface and are overpriced. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's because, again, the price comes from this probably this, the market isn't there yet. So, you know, how many people really need to – the mind mapping is interesting to me, but the, how many people actually really need uh, amazing project management software? It's yeah. not a ton. So, um, so yeah, I'm not doing a lot of project management right now. I'm looking across my – I'm doing a lot of presentations. So um, I just recently had to uh, use PowerPoint, which I hated. Um, I'm an absolute a keynote zealot. That's one of my – Speaking about lines, keynote is just great at that sort of, um, you know, kind of building up a thought. And it's just one of the, I think for an Apple products, and this is saying something, I think it's one of the most beautiful pieces and useful pieces of Apple software out there. So I spend a lot of time there and get to know that product really, really well. I, I absolutely agree. I did a presentation last year for the American Bar Association. Right. And I had to use PowerPoint because the <laughs> co-presenter didn't have a Mac and was just yeah. incapable of working with keynote. And and man, it, 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 it was terrible. It was just terrible. <laughs> it was awful. It was, I just did it. It was for our, our conference at Palantir and, and they did it. They were great about it, but it was still, it was just, uh, it, 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 keynote was one of Steve's apps, right? Which means it's like it had, it got so much attention there and it shows, right? It was, just, you look at this and it's just, it makes sense. I've never, ever, been digging up a manual. They're like, how do you do this? Because it's easily to discover how to do different things. And I have some problems with it, but still they're, they're relative to just sitting down and being able to be productive quickly at, a, at presentation software. It's, it's my favorite. I am um, no, as Testament to keynote, I know some attorneys who are diehard PC people and they right. keep a MacBook in their desk with one app on it. <laughs> and when they need to give presentations, they pull it out and get keynote. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. And it's just fast too. I, I didn't even know this, how quickly it was doing stuff. And I sat down PowerPoint, it was, I've got like a 27 core blah, blah, blah at work. And PowerPoint was just dragging when I got up to around like 20 to 30 slides. So night and day. Now, do you use uh, Keynote on the iPad at all? Have you tried any of that stuff? I have not tried that yet. Keen, uh, the iPad for me is still a consumption device. As opposed to, and I know people are doing a lot of stuff, but it's still for me a means of just triage and consumption as opposed to creation. How about you? Have you guys tried that yet? Uh, I'm I'm starting to really dig it. I'm okay. I'm giving some presentations on the uh, the iPad at workbook, and I'm giving one in a couple of weeks. And they said, "Oh yeah, come over. We've got it all set. We've got an Apple TV set up. So now with iOS five, I don't even need a cable." Yeah, and I'll be able to give the presentation right off the iPad, and uh, yeah, you know th there are limitations uh, with fonts and yeah, know, it will dumb them down a bit. Yeah, but <laughs> but in general, I mean, because I don't use a lot of real exotic transitions and stuff, I think that gets in the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it'll be fine, I think, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about. It's funny how all the Apple products. I slowly just getting rid of TV in my house. We just turned off after forever turned off uh, satellite TV in the house. And it's because everything is basically other than football is, uh, is available now um, in various ways via the, um, via the internet. 
and now they got the mirroring on iPad 2 and iOS 4S. It's it's all there. I'm just it's done in terms of just being able to like pick and choose what you want to you know buy and view. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah, I just I just cut the cable as well. So <laughs> so, so do you have even uh, over the air antenna? Because that's what no. I did. Is I got a cheap I got a twenty dollar mono price antenna and stuck it up and and you know I've got my networks and <sighs> I'm done. I cut my bill by seventy five bucks a month. It's great. It's lovely. I've been loving. I I'm haven't missed it. <laughs> Um, I'm worried about Super Bowl and the Oscars. That's the only thing that I'm worried about right now. So I, I figure they'll figure that out at some point. <laughs> well, you know, I think if you put an antenna up, you, you'd cover that. Isn't the Oscars usually on network TV? Yeah. And I'm usually up the, the Super Bowl is. Oh, well. Yeah, I'm up at the boonies in the uh-huh. Santa Cruz Mountains. So I don't have great antenna. So, and I'm also sort of, I'm sort of digging my heels in because I kind of want them. I think everyone else has figured this out. And there's just a couple of stalwarts. I think a lot of the content's going to be out there for, um, just grabbing it digitally. I hope. Fingers crossed. Or you could just like you know get a you know twelve pack and go to your <laughs> house and say, "Hey, I'm bringing the beer. You provide the TV, right?" <laughs> uh, that's that totally is a use case that I could do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a break and talk about our second sponsor, One Password. Um, I always tell people I'm not going to sell you on a Mac. If you don't want a Mac, that's fine. But I will sell you on One Password. I think this is just such a useful utility keeps all of your passwords. It's on multiple platforms, so you can access your passwords, whether you're on your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, your PC, or your Mac. Everything works together using a Dropbox sync, and it's just a great app. I mean, I use this thing every day. Yeah, 1Password is the app that makes sure that I am safe and secure when I'm surfing the web, because in this day and age, you cannot afford to use the same password across multiple sites. But it does so much more than just store your passwords. You can store secure notes in 1Password. Um, So if you want to store um, sensitive information, or if you want to store notes that you don't necessarily want other people to be able to see, but you want to have access to them on the road, Um, or software and serial numbers, if you want to store all of that information, there's places in 1Password for that as well. It's lovingly developed. It's a great app. It started on the Mac, and it, it's Mac Roots Show Through. And now you can get it in the Mac App Store for 50 bucks, And that gives you a free upgrade to version 4 when that's going to be released in the future. Uh, thanks, 1Password, for sponsoring the podcast. Things is your main task manager, and you're yes. writing generally in text edit. Now, do you use a word processor at all in your writing? No. Um, my editor, when I'm done with a piece, um, I'm horrifically... Uh, this is a contradiction to my OCD. I'm really bad with spelling and grammar. I could look at a sentence for an hour and there could be a, like a, a legit word missing and I'll be like, I just don't see it. So um, I learned early on if I was going to sound credible and read credible that I have to, I, I have an editor that I pay to edit the blog articles. So once I go to, um, once I'm ready to go to her, um, we go to Word because the review uh, capabilities in Word are really, really good. I haven't tried pages. I don't know whether it's good or not, but we, we can have a discussion about like what's working and what's not working. Um, she mostly just fixes my horrible, horrible spelling and grammar. And she also calls me out on content because she's familiar with the voice and whatnot. So, but that goes into Word and um, then it goes into uh, sort of the review process. And then I pull it out of Word. And then I dump it into uh, TextMate and uh, HTMLify it, and then post it up to the to the blog. And there's a whole other other workflow that I'm sure you're familiar with, which is the whole publishing the book thing, which is involves all sorts of interesting tools. Yeah, yeah. 
What are the other um, little utilities and things you use on your Mac that make you uh, smile? Make me. <laughs> um, I know. I'm sure everyone has said this a bazillion times, but uh, Dropbox is just the savior of my life. It just completely changes how I store things on my computer. And I, I can't even imagine. It's one of those things. I just I was banging rocks together before I had Dropbox. It was just. It, it, it's just, it, I know it's, it's a really simple idea, but it took so long for someone to actually get uh, that sinking down or whatever it is that they're doing and just make it something that's so useful. I don't even think about something not being exactly where I expect it to be. And two, three years ago, you were like, where is that keynote? And did I do this thing? And yada, yada. It's just completely transformed how I, how I get stuff done. So that's. So are you basically it, putting your documents folder in your Dropbox? Is everything going in Dropbox or? Um, it's just documents. It's basically documents, but everything is in there. All both books are there. Every article I'm writing is in there. Um, the wife and I legally share music in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, and it's just, it's, 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 you don't even notice if, if it went away whenever I, it, it's never been, it, when it goes away, I'm, I'm panicky because everything that I'm doing is there. So it's perfect. I mean, syncing used to be so hard and Dropbox yeah. is like the inflection point where suddenly anybody could do it. Yeah, I wrote about it because I was shocked how well they did it. The thing about and everybody's going through this with iCloud right now. If you have you set up iCloud yet? Yeah, but it's not you know fully baked yet. Yeah, I I lost twenty thousand email messages. No biggie. Right. Okay. See exactly. You're just proving my point here. The thing about that iCloud was really as you were setting it up, there was they they don't want to call it this, but it was like this wizard, and you were like you had to like make five choices about your very important stuff, right? And each of those choices. Is whether you're the brightest person or not the brightest person, it doesn't matter. You're going to screw it up 50% of the time. And they can't fully explain very well because merging is this very complex. What does merge mean? What's going to happen here? It was very strange to me. And that's the thing that Dropbox does so well is it gives you no opportunity to screw up, right? It, it, never, it, says, it never says, hey, you've got two and they're out of date. So which one should you pick? Because you're like, I'm going to pick this one. And half the time, that's the wrong choice, right? So they just got rid of all choice. They do a really good job. I mean, occasionally you get conflicts, but more often than not, it's just sitting there and just does it. And it's it's literally, it feels like magic. And it's, it's a hard thing to do as we just are, are seeing with iCloud sort of choices right now. Yeah, I do think, however, that iCloud is a very interesting take on this because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there, and they're not the ones who listen to our show, but who are terrified of the Finder and Absolutely. the idea of working with folders. And you know, I can think of in my you know work environment, uh, I'm probably the only one capable of of using Dropbox, right? You know, without a lot of feedback and a lot of yeah. training and yeah. The idea of iCloud where you open it on one device and you go to another and it's just there. Yeah. That's going to work for a lot of people that Dropbox doesn't work, but they've got to kind of get it going. And I, I'm giving them a, you know, a few weeks or even maybe <laughs> to kind of, you know, cause this is a, this is a new thing for Apple. Yeah. I, I am convinced that they're dedicated to it. I mean, you probably know more than me. You were there, but I mean, <laughs> I think they understand how important this is. And, no, I, yeah, I think, they, I think Dropbox is a gold standard. I think when you look at iCloud, where they're going with it, I think is a lot of influence from how simple that um, Dropbox has made it. And that's what they want to do with, uh, I'm assuming that's what they're doing with iCloud. I've got it set up on a couple of machines right now. And I was taking a ton of pictures like everybody else on the planet Earth with their new iPhone yesterday. And just having it, it's the same experience, right? I'm I'm in iPhoto now on my MacBook Air. And every photo that I took on my phone is now there. 
that's just, that's, that's pure win because I didn't even think about it. And I'm like, Oh, I love this photo. Let me edit it here. And the way I can do more editing on my MacBook air. So, um, it, it's, it, I think it's a really good step in the right direction. Yeah. As we, uh, as we record this, iCloud is brand new out. Um, but I mean, one of the things I'm frustrated with is they still haven't got the iWork apps updated for iCloud support. Yeah. And yeah. I was, I was told that that was going to happen when all this released and something must have went wrong. I don't know. Well, I was there for a lot of years and I got to tell you this, this really, uh, John Gruber was talking about this on his weblog during fireball. Um, and from a release perspective, when you go and look at everything that came out this week, it's talk about the need for project management software. Oh my gosh. They've yeah. got the OS, they've got iTunes, they've got the hardware, they've got iCloud going. I mean, the opportunity for things to get messed up and just the amount of moving parts, uh, a lot of props to, to Apple this week for pulling that off. Cause it was, that is a lot of change to absorb. I mean, I got, I was in DC and I started installing everything on Friday and I was just, I'm like, do you know how much stuff I'm changing right now? And <laughs> you know how much opportunity is for something to go wrong? Yeah. And I, I've been generally really happy. I mean, Siri being down, oh my gosh, right. That's a, that's a small thing relative to everything else that's going on. It does though kind of suck when you're showing off your new phone to somebody. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it does. And all of us have our own collection of funny things to ask Siri, right? Absolutely. What's your, what's your favorite right now? Oh, uh, how many can I talk about? <laughs> I was doing the who's on first with it last night. That was pretty funny. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Do who's on first and <laughs> okay. it'll, it'll go into it with you. And then, uh, I don't know. How about you? How about you? <laughs> oh, um, I, it's all the nerdy ones, uh, like, you know, beat me up. Uh, yeah. you know, that was a great one. Uh, doing the open the pod bay doors, how that one, when she actually, I liked how she's sometimes a little coy and she's like, yeah, I'm not going to answer that. And you're like, no, I don't really answer it. And she's like, okay, I'll answer it. Right. There's a, yeah. there's a, there's a, I know it's, I, I'm doing all the math in my head and I'll like pull it off, but there's a certain whimsy there that I think is really important. And is you know, in terms of like developing sort of a personality for this, uh, phone. <laughs> yeah. And I just can't imagine any other big company putting the resources in to give the phone whimsy. Yeah, exactly. I'm a, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure whether it's going to be useful. It's very interesting, but it's, you know, there's a lot of people that were just gaga over the garage van on the iPad and it was beautiful and it was gorgeous. And I'm like, look at this. This is amazing. But there's this times when you're demoing software, you're like, this is so much fun. I want to show all of my friends this and I'm never going to use it again. <laughs> and um, I, I, hopefully Siri isn't that. It certainly meets those first two criteria. But I'm sort of waiting for that time where I, I mean, I set up some uh, geofenced reminders for when I get into work tomorrow. And that might be the time when I go, oh, I need to buy my son this thing once I get close to the store. So I think that could, I'm not sure what the killer uh, request is yet, but I'm, I'm certainly hopeful that there's many of them out there. And it's one of the few products Apple's ever released with a beta tag. So I suspect Ex it's yeah. going to get even better. Well, that's actually, someone just explained that to me uh, last night um, because, you know, it's only on the 4S and everyone's like, why are they not putting it on all of them? I think, and as evidenced by Siri going down, I think my gut is, I have no insider knowledge here is that, it's a lot, it's a lot of backend processing and they're just trying to do a slow roll of it out there. So kind of just kind of gently get it. And the beta tag is another example of them like, Hey, it's not quite there yet. So I think that's smart in terms of setting expectations. Yeah. And let's take one more break and welcome a new sponsor to the show. And that is Chrometa. Now, David, I know like me, being attorneys, we have to account for our time. And if you don't account for your time, you've lost it and you've lost money and billing by the hour. 
oh, it is the thing that I hate the most about my job is having to keep track of every minute of every day and having to bill for it. And to be honest with you, I am horrible at it. I Many times I don't do it until the end of the day or worse yet to the end of the week. And I might even admit that there have been times that I've let it go to the end of the month. And then I'm trying to go back and recreate it. And, and you can't do that. You know, anything that you do where you bill by the hour, you can't go back and recreate it. You're You're going to lose so much time. And as a result, you're going to lose so much money. The folks at Chrometa have developed an app that will, in the background, on your Mac or PC, track what you do and capture it for you. And at the end of the day, send you a nice little summary. You spent this much time in this Microsoft Word document, or you spent this much time drafting this email. Uh, and you can go in and you can customize it and you can set up rules. And of course, you can turn it off if you don't want to be tracked or you can pause it. At the end of the day, you get a nice little summary of what you've done and how much time you spent with each document. Uh, that you can log all your time. Yeah, the thing I love about Chrometa is it takes all the work out of it. So no matter what job you have, if you get paid for your time, if your time is your stock and trade, this will keep track of it for you without you having to keep a log yourself. So like Katie was saying, if you work in five different Word documents over the day or five different um, you know, Adobe Creative Suite apps, it keeps track of how much time you spend in each file and it just gives you a summary. So then you'll know, you know, to the minute how much time you spent on each client. So what if you walk away from the computer? Well, Chrometa figures that out too. You know, let's say you walk away from the computer for 45 minutes for a meeting and you come back. Chrometa will say, Hey, I noticed you haven't been around for a while. What have you been doing? And it will prompt you right then and there uh, to enter your time and where you've been for the last, you know, 30, 45 minutes or so. So you make sure that you don't lose anything. Or maybe you stopped because you had a phone call it will prompt you to enter it as well. So absolutely love this app. I know without question um, that this app is going to allow me to better keep track of my time and make up so much of that lost money. Yeah, and they have plans starting at $19 a month. So uh, you will get that back very quickly if you bill by the hour. So uh, check it out. It's uh, app.chrometa.com. And uh, we'd like to thank them for joining uh, the sponsorship of the show. So, Michael, we know, we know you've got an iPhone, an iPhone 4S, uh, which I'm jealous because I decided to wait for the 5 and not upgrade. But um, we, I heard you say you've got a Mac, MacBook Air. What other Apple products are you using, and how are you using them all together? Uh, okay, so sitting here at my desk right now, I've got the phone. i got the white one. We should talk about black or white. Um, white one, which was sort of odd. I've got my uh, MacBook Pro, which is my main machine. I've got a 30-inch, which is my main screen. I've got a 27-inch next to that. Um, which is just about enough pixels. Um, and then to my left, my mobile machine is my uh, MacBook Air. So this is my, this is my at home in my cave writing setup. So screens everywhere and it's just absolutely lovely. <laughs> yeah, I, I use a 127 inch screen mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people love the dual screens, but I get away with one. Yeah, my uh, my mental model for the dual screen. I I had two thirties at one point, and then I took one thirty into work, and I, so I had the single thirty. And I'm like, okay, can I pull this off? Which just you know, this is a really this is it's a lot of pixels. But what I what I think about is the main screen, the thirty that's in front of me, is my working area, and everything to my right on the other screen is palettes. Right? It's it's things whether it's Twitter, whether it's whatever things that I occasionally glance at, unless I'm in deep coding or writing mode when I need everything to kind of look at what's going on. It's sort of main screen and to my right is palettes or things that I kind of uh, at a glance sort of uh, information. 
tools. Now, now, do you keep the main screen right in front of your face or do you have them like split so you look left or right? Uh, great question. Um, I'm currently in the looking straight down the middle of the main screen with the right screen being uh, to the right. So, And that sort of reinforces my model of like this is where I'm spending my time over here is where I occasionally – to my right is where I occasionally glance. Yeah, that's the only way I could do it. Yeah. I mean, when I tried to put it and I sat in the middle – it just bugged me. No, you yeah. can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, I've got a I've got a 24 inch screen that is dead in front of me, and then I've got my MacBook Air is actually off to the side, kind of for you know my mail is stuck over there, and my notifications are stuck yeah. over there, and my you know iChat is stuck over there, and when I need something, I pull it over. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, it's perfect. I love this setup. This is my the only thing I kind of miss was for the palette monitor is that um is I used to like to put them up. Uh, Turn them like the old radius screens where you could go and do it 180 degrees or whatever. Oh, yeah. Stuff. So like a piece of paper. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. And uh, I used that was that kind of made that screen special and sort of really palette-y. And it also saves some uh, actual physical desk space as well. So because this is a lot of desk space for for displays right now. The um now did you get the 11 or the 13 inch MacBook Air? I am. Um, I got the 13. Um, I, I, it's perfect for planes, and uh, I, I'm 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 about six one, so I'm kind of big. So it's a, uh, but it fits perfect. It was really can I take it on a plane? And can I be productive on a plane? So um, the eleven was just it felt a little too small to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think the eleven is really sexy, but I got a thirteen because <laughs> yeah. in my my day job we have a PC network, and I've toyed with the idea of bringing an iMac in, but I just basically work, work off a 13 inch MacBook most of the yeah. day. Yeah. So I thought an 11 would be too much, you know, too, too little. The wonderful thing about the MacBook air and lion. And I wrote about this was they did a, they did a, I was nearly really not a fan of spaces and expos. Day. It was sort of really noisy and I don't know who did it or what team did it. I mean, Mac OS 10 team obviously did it, but they just made it they, the, the elegance that with which to manage multiple screens and using the gestures, which I thought were kind of a, a were kind of annoying, but they did a great job in line in terms of just making it so that I can get four up and be zipping around really, really cleanly and, and, and fast. I, and that was, that was a different, I'm sure you could have done it, but it was the, the amount of friction that it was, was prior to lion was really, there was, was a lot of friction there and it's a lot easier now. So I'm, I'm feeling a lot more productive on the, on the mobile screen. I'm obviously big on a lot of pixels. So that's, that's it's a convenience. Now I haven't yeah. heard you mention an iPad. I do have an iPad. Um, there's a couple iPads in the house. Um, again, reading and uh, consuming of content as opposed to like generating of content. But it's it's here. It's not. It's in the bag. But um, I will I will go to and grab my MacBook Air nine times out of ten in terms of like checking mail or doing anything. So it's there. But I haven't. I, and I love it. And I will sit on the couch and watch Glee. But um, but it's not. I haven't. It's not part of the workflow, if you will. Yeah, like if you're using things to manage email yeah, tasks, yeah, uh, it's not going to work with your iPad. Exactly. So it's not a part of the workflow. It's it's there as part of the day, but it's I haven't found that killer like workflow task yet for the for the iPad. It's it's actually pretty useful for meetings. I would. Yeah, but I'm on, I'm taking notes in the field notes again. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. true. So that's why I'm dumping it all. I bring it in every now and then and do exactly that. But I have a I have a thing because I run a lot of meetings and I, I've set in a lot of meetings is 
Um, I feel like anything that's there that allows me to be, dist- <laughs> this is a theme apparently, allows me to be distracted, Will I will get distracted. So um, that's why it's like no portables open during uh, meetings and whatnot or laptops or whatever we're calling them now. So, and, and that's both just from respect of everyone in the room as well as just, you know, kind of being able to focus. I've actually found that the iPad is better from that perspective of being less distracted because, you know, if I had my MacBook Air open during a meeting, I'd be taking notes or something. But then, okay, right. oh, though someone mentioned me on Twitter. Oh, hey, someone popped up and I am. Oh, what does my calendar look like for next week? Right. Hmm, you know, but if, if I'm on the iPad, it's a lot more difficult to yeah. multitask on the iPad. And, yeah. you know, just because of the positioning of it, you know, people can more readily see yeah. your screen. So you're much more likely to be just there typing notes. Yeah, well, I, I, I found that iPads have been helpful in meetings from that perspective. But but you have to get over that. Oh my gosh, are you sitting in a meeting with an iPad taking notes? Which in <laughs> in your industry, I'm sure is is much more accepted than in in my industry with a bunch of of cranky old men. <laughs> it's a it's kind of common to see it now. And uh, main meeting, our main leads meeting we have every week. Everyone, uh, the guy who's running the meeting is sitting on an iPad, just capturing everything and sending it off. So it's there. I, I'm, I'm very fond of my very simple uh, notebook for gathering stuff right now. So, but it could easily, easily be replaced by the iPad. Yeah. And I'm kind of in the middle there. I use the field notes, Yeah, but I have the iPad there almost as a resource, you know, because we have lots of documents. So it's almost like having a file there. If right. I need to check the calendar or if we need to see, you know, we need to see a contract that's in my sure. PDF app or so it's kind of more of a resource. There is an app though that's kind of cool for meetings called Notability. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a couple bucks, but it, it essentially creates a live scribe experience. In fact, it's replaced the live scribe in my life mm-hmm. um, where you just, it records the room. And you can write down words with your keyboard. And as it does, it indexes the recording to those words. So that's cool. That's pretty cool. Although when you're dealing with employees, you got to be careful. You don't want to record without their permission. You can get in trouble, you know. That's cool. That's nice for capturing meetings. There's a, there's a, there's some good ideas there. Um, I think there's a great opportunity there for, for developing a better app to kind of, uh, run meetings and whatnot. I haven't seen anything great there, but that seems like a good idea. Yeah. Well, there are several. I mean, I, there's no shortage of developers out there. <laughs> now, Michael, I did ask you about one thing that I saw on, um, you know, I know you did a home screen post over on, on uh, MaxSparky.com, which I'm sure David will link to in the show notes, because it has been such a, a hotly contested topic on our show. Um, and, and that is financial management. I, I, know, I don't know if you do much of that for your company, and I certainly without divulging any secrets or anything, um, but I right. saw you had the mint icon on your screen. I do use Mint. Um, uh, I don't do anything financial. So it's mostly there to get a glance and see um, what's going on with the uh, Lop family household fund. So it's, but it's more just, again, it's just sort of like checking out and kind of seeing what's going on. It's, there's no sort of tracking going on there. I'm not putting any data in there or not. It's just like, okay, how are we doing? So it's there. I'm not using it a ton, but it's there. Right. So are you, so, are you do, searching at all? I mean, because there are a lot of people out there who are searching for Quicken alternatives, or are you just like, yeah, whatever, there's money in the account, it'll show up? That's um, uh, for my, this is my, my wife's burden is that when we got married, I said, listen, I'm awful at this. So um, just FYI, if you could uh, pick up this part of the uh, the family, um, that would be super. So <laughs> <laughs> she did, and, and I'm a much happier person because of it. All right. <laughs> So, Michael, what do you think of this Mac App Store and all the great stuff coming out of that? The Mac App Store? You yeah. mean the, you mean Apple's? Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, it's a 
I, lo- I loved when uh, Forrest Gall got on stage and just, you know, they're like, we were at, what was it? $3 billion that they're writing for folks. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's amazing. I, I, what I love about it is that, um, they've just taken some of the hardest parts of running a business and just, and, and they're taking a cut, which I think I, I'm not an independent app developer, but it feels like a fair cut. And then they're just handling all these things that ind- independent developers just are a probably not good at and B don't want to do, you know, the returns and the store, the cash register, all this sort of stuff. So it's just, I think, I think you're seeing is it's just an amazing enabling technology to get a lot of great uh, software out there. Yeah, it seems to me like <laughs> for small utilities, it used to be a developer would either have to go through all the hassle and deal with a third party vendor or set up right. a site or something. And, and it ended up costing 10 bucks or 20 bucks for a simple app just because it was so much work for them to, right, to get right. it in front of you. Or they just give it away because it was easier. Yeah. And now those guys are selling apps for, you know, three or five dollars. Yeah. And I'm buying a lot more of them than I ever did before. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, I, I sit there and I'm like, looking at something going, it's 99 cents. And I'm sitting there like hemming and hawing about 99 cents. And I spent, you know, this is the Steve Jobs line. It was like, I just spent three, four bucks on a latte that morning. It's like, what? Right. So it's uh, it's interesting. I think the, my son is just really into the games on the phone. And I'm, I play a lot of, I don't play a lot of video games, but he plays a ton. And when you see what's being produced out there in terms of the video game as well, I, I, I don't know what they were thinking in terms of what, as a gaming platform, but that and the phone, two things that were sort of underinvested right out of the gate on the iPhone, are just amazing success stories. And um, I was just on iPhone 4S graphics. I was just firing up a couple of games last night. It's just stunning in terms of what you're holding in your hand when you think about where we were, you know, five years ago in terms yeah. of mobile electronics. And the and the companies that used to make their money selling video games for forty dollars or yeah. sixty dollars, they've <laughs> yeah. got to be just terrified. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of love that too. Not, I mean, I'm sure if I was working at Nintendo, I wouldn't be loving it. But it's, I, I like that sort of disruption. It, it forces it forces people, businesses, products to uh, defend themselves, and and um, that's a that's a pretty. It's it's hard and it's scary. I'm sure, but it it's a. I think that's kind of a noble thing too. Yeah. Well, I I just want to thank you for coming because I just. I love the work you do. And Thank you. Please keep it up at Rans and Repose. I know you're a really busy guy. <laughs> you do you do change people's lives out there with the stuff you write. Oh, thank and, you very much. I appreciate that. And um, Thank you. Mark. I've always been a fan. It's great having you here. And so so now being geek is kind of your story, right? <laughs> your book. Be, yeah, it's it's the the first book was about for for leaders and managers, managing humans was for people that were trying to figure out leadership. Um, and there just wasn't anything out that I thought was approachable and, and useful. There's a lot of both of those. There's useful ones out there that are just hard to like get through. And the second one was really for me being geek was for uh, people that uh, are just like you need a career plan, right? And, and it's like I don't people I don't think people are really like asking themselves what are they going to do next. They're sort of making it up, you know, as they go. And this just sort of forces you to kind of think about what is my whole career going to look like. So that's what the intent was. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great. And, uh, so Rans and repose is your main blog yes. and then the books are linked there Yep. and then we'll put them in the show notes as well. And, uh, do you have anything else going on you'd like to talk about? Um, no, I do a charity shirt. that's going to be coming up here in about two weeks. I send a uh, sell shirts for a uh, charity, a uh, first book. So, um, but that'll be up on the blog and, uh, and, uh, buy a shirt and make sure that uh, kids can uh, learn how to read. 
Well, thank you again, Michael, for coming in. And uh, hopefully we can have you back someday and talk some more. That'd be great. Thank you very much. All right. Well, it's been a blast talking with Michael Lopp, and we want to thank him for uh, spending some time with us today. Uh, You can find links to everything that we talked about in the show notes, and you can find those over on our website at www.macpowerusers.com or over on the 5x5 site at 5x5.tv slash macpowerusers. You can also send us email at feedback at macpowerusers.com. Or we're on Twitter at macpowerusers. I'm at Katie Floyd, and he's at Mac Sparky. So thanks to our sponsors, Smile, 1Password, and Chrometa for sponsoring the show. I almost forgot that I'm going to be speaking at the Blog World and New Media Expo 2011 at the Los Angeles Convention Center, held November 3rd through 5th. If you're a podcaster or a blogger, this is the place to be. There's going to be a ton of great speakers there, uh, some vendors, and just a great place to learn all about blogging and podcasting. In particular, I'm going to be speaking on November 4th on a session called Finding Sponsors for Your Podcast and Keeping Them. Uh, Along with me is going to be Mark Fukio, who was formerly with Drobo. We're also going to have Gene McDonald from Smile and Dave Hamilton from the Mac Geek Gap. And we're going to talk about how to find the right sponsors for your podcast, how to structure a sponsorship deal and uh, what to charge, and how to create sponsorship spots that make sponsors listen and happy. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, head out to Los Angeles on November 4th and see me there. If you are a Mac Power Users listener at Blog World, make sure to let me know so we can meet up. See you there. And thank you to all of you for hanging in there with us and to Michael Lopp for joining us. And we will see you next time.